Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been awaiting has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy, Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. And this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 288, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. That is correct. And perhaps from now on, we'll do the entire podcast in an English accent, if you prefer. It's an honor of the queen. <laughs> Maybe it should be. Maybe, like, as, as time goes by and this Cowboys season just continues to suck, we'll just do it in different voices the whole way through the season. Bro, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, like, at some point, we're like, oh, look at that. And Matthew Stafford, another touchdown pass against the Cowboys defense. Hmm? <laughs> but that's a, that's a few weeks away. That's, that's a few weeks away. So there's still hope, supposedly, right? But we do have a lot to get into. The Cowboys and the Bengals going down on Sunday afternoon. And it's going to be fun because that means Tony Romo. Cowboys and Bengals get the late afternoon window. So Romo calling the game. Be curious to get his thoughts. Is he going to be as blatantly honest as Aikman is sometimes? I don't know. We'll find out. Could be interesting. But it's the beauty of Troy. Yeah, it is. Let's get into Greening Law, my friend, because before we roll out the podcast, we have to tell you about Greening Law. They've been working with us for a while, and you guys know I was hurt in a car accident. But if you were maybe had malpractice that you experienced with the doctor, maybe you were injured on the premises of a business, there is a variety of cases that they've represented, clients from all sorts of things. Now, car accidents happen all the time, and I can tell you from personal experience, the way that they work behind the scenes and they're grinding for you, and they really do such a good job because it's a stressful thing. When your body won't get right and you're not sure why, they have some of that expertise. Be like, well, let's try this and let's send you here. And then we've got somebody for this. And it, it really, I don't know, it gives you peace of mind to a sense of, okay, I am going to be getting better. And these guys are helping me out behind the scenes. No, that's why if you're ever involved in an accident, whether it's with an 18-wheeler, whether it's in an apartment complex, a business, anything like that, give them a call. Pick up the phone, dial the number. And ask them, hey, here's my situation. What do you think? And hope that they take you on as a client. It's uh, 972-934-8900. Y'all should know it by now. But give them a call. Let them grind for you because they don't get paid unless you get paid. And that's a big deal. That's exactly right, man. 972-934-8900. The consultation absolutely free. Cost you no money to give them a call and check it out. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Green. Call him now. Offices 
Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas, game two. The Dallas Cowboys have not started a season 0-2 since 2010, the third longest streak in the NFL. That's pretty good. It's pretty good, and that's what they'll be trying to avoid against the Cincinnati Bengals, also trying to avoid an 0-2 start. Cincinnati with Joe Burrow coming in off of a game against Pittsburgh in which he threw four interceptions. But we know this by now. I mean, this is a very good Cincinnati team. For the most part, they returned a lot of what they had last year on that Super Bowl team. It's Joe Burrow. It's Joe Mixon at running back. It's a supposedly better offensive line than the one that they had last year. And, of course, the wide receivers we know are a handle with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and that whole group that they bring. And then Dallas is going to answer with Cooper Rush. <laughs> well, I mean, that wasn't the plan, but that, that's where we are now. And, um, you know, I can, I can say this because by the time you, listen, you guys listen to this, um, it'll be in the paper on Friday. But, you know, part of my prediction, I'll hold off on the score for just a little while. But it was, you know, it's not my job to have hope, faith, and optimism that they're going to get their offense fixed now that Cooper Rush is the quarterback instead of Dak. And uh, if Kellen Moore doesn't do a better job of figuring out how to get this offense and be productive, uh, there's no way in hell they're going to beat Cincinnati. No, and it, that's the scary part of this whole thing, I think. And look, I get it pretty much to a man. They kind of towed the company line about Cooper Rush today. I mean, Zeke flat out said he was asked about it, and Zeke said he knows his shit. They feel very confident with him and his understanding of the offense. That's awesome. I'm glad you know the plays. I'm glad you understand the offense. I don't know that you have the skill level that that is going to matter very much. Um, that's the whole thing, man. Um, but, you know, a lot of it can be helped. But this is, this is the case for Cooper Rush and every other backup quarterback. Your guys got to play better for you. Your guys got to help you out. Your guys got to make tough catches for you. Your line's got to block for you. Your running back's got to make a guy miss and do some extra stuff for you because you're not as good as the starter. Um, to me, one of the worst lines in football is next man up because yeah. that's just dumb. That's next body up, okay? You're the backup. It's your turn to play. Yes, it's an opportunity. But there's a reason why there are starters in this league, and there's a reason why the quarterback who starts for you makes $40 million a year and the backup makes 700000 That is very true. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, yeah. mean, I mean, just just think about that. <laughs> There's a reason why that disparity exists or whatever it makes, the minimum salary. It exists because that's the biggest, that's how big the gulf is between the two dudes. It is. And this is one of those things to me, when you really look at Cincinnati and you look at the matchup, it's, it's going to be interesting to say the least. This is a good Cincinnati defense. This is a defense for Cincinnati that has some names that you probably recognize, like B.J. Hill, who had a sack last week against the Steelers. Obviously, Trey Hendrickson, who can be a beast. D.J. Reader in the middle. Eli Apple, Von Bell, Jesse Bates III, who is a good safety. You look at those names, and then, of course, the Cowboy on the defense, Tito Bayouzier, who went over to Cincinnati and has been very solid for them. This is not an easy Cincinnati defense to move the ball against and you know you can look at this and you can say okay well Najee Harris got injured and, and I think that's fair in the game last week but Cincinnati 22 for 75 is the rush attempts for Pittsburgh and Mitch Trubisky didn't even crack 200 yards passing it's a solid defense 
in a defense like that with this offense with Cooper Rush, I don't know that we're going to see much different than what we saw against Tampa Bay. Bro, they went to the Super Bowl last year. They didn't do it all with offense. They're a good team. Mm-hmm. They're, they're a team that in their locker room, in their meeting rooms, in their building, they're like, hey, we didn't go to the Super Bowl last year. We need to go this year. You know what I'm saying? They they showed up with legitimate Super Bowl aspirations because they went there last year and they kept most of their key people and added some parts. Uh, so nah, this was always going to be a tough. This was going to be a tough game with Dak being the Dak that we that we know and love, not the Dak that we saw last week, who was a stranger. Um, so nah, man, I I don't expect them to win. Plus, Matt, can I be honest with you? Mm. They play like shit at home lately. AT&T Stadium ain't no big deal for people to come here. No, it's not at all. That's exactly right. And at, at some point, the Cowboys will drop back to pass on a key third down, and their wide receiver will turn around to catch the ball, and the sun will hit them right in the eyes, and they won't even see it. <laughs> and then Jerry will be like, oh, well, uh, yeah, that, that's just rare. And we all see it happen all the time. You know, obviously, the Cincinnati offensive line, and, and, and we talked about, just mentioned Cheeto defensively, that's where Lyle Collins is now. He left. He's in Cincinnati. He is one of their starting tackles. Jonah Williams is the other. They've upgraded their offensive line. And the thing of it is, with their ability to, with Joe Burrow, he can get the ball out quick when he needs to. They've got Jamar Chase. And granted, this isn't college. The last time Jamar Chase played with Trayvon Diggs, he torched him and schooled him. But this is one of those offenses, and and this is where Trayvon Diggs has to be very, very careful. Because this is one of those offenses, if you try to go for the ball against a Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow is going to burn you on that. And this is one of those types of games. And the other thing is, and, and we talked about this on our podcast on Sunday night, you brought it up, Jacques, and then you started seeing the videos making their way around social media. He has to decide that he's going to help out in the run game. I mean, you have to be a factor. Ain't nobody asking you to, to uh, you know, act like a linebacker. But you cannot be just backpedaling, giving up space, man. It's a, it's a physical, violent game. It's supposed to hurt. There's certain things that, uh, that don't feel good. Taking on those blockers don't feel good. But, bro, you have to do it. Uh, and whatever technique they teach you, so I don't know what it is, but whatever they teach you, that's, I know what they don't teach you, Matt. They don't teach you to bail. And they don't teach you to run around a block because that's like giving yourself up and taking yourself out to play. But we know this. NFL is a copycat league. Until you stop doing that, bruh, you're going to see that thing every single solitary week. Yeah, and again, Jamar Chase had 10 for 129 in a touchdown last week against the Steelers, who, oh, by the way, have a fairly solid secondary, if you haven't heard. And they've got some guys that can make some plays in their secondary, and Jamar Chase just torched them. This is going to be a really difficult matchup, I think. I, I don't like the defense. I think Zeke is right. He didn't flat out come out and say it, but he only had 10 carries for 52, and he was asked about that, and he said, we just got to commit to it. We got to wear on the defense. 10 runs is not enough. If this is, and everything they told us leading into the season was, we're going to run, we're going to feature, it's about Zeke. Remember, Jerry, Jerry told us his safety net was Zeke and Tony Pollard, and then they went out there and abandoned it. And to me, you can't be panicked if you get down, because there's a chance Joe Burrow and the Bengals come out, go right down the field in the first drive, and you're up 7 nothing, run the football. 
Right. Zeke looked good. I mean, Zeke looked like he looked at the beginning of last year to me. I thought Zeke was the best player on offense on Sunday night, and he only got 10 shots. He averaged 5.2 yards a carry. If he had done that all game, you're over 100 yards easy. Five. Here's the key for me, man. 5.2 yards a carry with a long run of seven. So that means that's what he was getting mm-hmm. on a regular basis, which was all the more reason to stick with it. Um you know, man, it's uh, it's this is this is just a very interesting, fascinating point of the season, and we're in, only in game two, because what happens is some things are going to be revealed during this period while Dak is out, and some truths are going to be shown. A light is going to be, you know, it's like a beacon is going to be put on certain things. One of them is Kellen Moore. You know, he's been the boy genius, so to speak, for the last few years. Well, part of that is, man, you have to adjust, adapt, and improvise when you don't have your your pieces because the NFL is an injury league. People are always getting hurt. Can you still perform when your guys are hurt? Can you figure out a way to trick them and make it happen until your guys get back? And I'm always reminded of this, and I've talked about it before. 2003 Dallas Cowboys. Bill Parcells won a division title or took his team to the playoffs with Quincy Carter quarterback and Troy Hamburg at running back. Think about that. Quincy Carter quarterback, Troy Hamburg at running back, and they won 10 games. Yeah. That, my friends, is coaching. And it's because he played a certain way. Ran the ball, kept the score close, relied on his defense, and stole games late. Didn't make mistakes. The Cowboys can try to win the same kind of way until Dak gets back. But what you said is true. Kellen Moore's got to trust the running game. Whether it's Pollard, whether it's Zeke, whether it's both, uh, be in, you know, you know, be ingenious with it. Do some things you haven't shown before. Do some things in the playbook you haven't used before. But try to steal some games like that until Dak gets back because playing the re- playing just plugging in Cooper Rush and acting like well Dak's I was just gonna plug and play and go that ain't gonna work though nope it's not and we will see I because I completely agree with you I think you're gonna learn a lot about this team in this game and my problem is Michael Gallup's still not going to play and apparently based on how it sounds they really don't know if he's gonna play next week either Sounds like he did seven on sevens today, and and McCarthy was kind of like, well, if he continues to progress, then maybe we can do a little bit more next week. But he's not going to play on Sunday. That means you're going to have the same grouping of wide receivers out there. It's going to be, again, like you mentioned Kellen Moore, if you know that and you know this is what you have, that you've got Noah Brown and a bunch of dudes who are playing for the second time ever in the NFL, going up against a very experienced secondary that has a guy like a Jesse Bates in it, much like last week, the secondary had Antoine Winfield Jr. in it. And you look at that and you're sitting there going, okay, what can I do to scheme CeeDee Lamb and his ability to do some things to get open? Because they're going to, every defense until Michael Gallup gets back is going to try and, you're going to double team CeeDee Lamb, take him out because these other dudes are undrafted free agents that run crappy routes and can't do anything. Well, you know, here's the other thing, bro. And a couple people have put it on on social media online. We've heard other people talking about it. But here's the – and every team's going to, again, do the same type of thing. 
And we chuckled when Vic Fangio came out, Fangio came out and talked about it, but he cracked the code on Kellen Moore, man. And the Cowboys offense, which was quit blitzing them, quit applying pressure, drop back in zone, and make them beat you. Yep. Slow bleed. And they haven't figured and here's the problem for Kellen Moore. He hasn't figured out, he hasn't adjusted, he hasn't adapted, he hasn't figured out how to how to how to get points against that type of defense. So what do you think? The Bengals are going to do. They're going to drop back. They're going to rush with four, occasionally bring some pressure, but they're going to make you slow bleed them and play play zone and, and go slowly down the field and see if you can be patient and take it. Um, that's also why Zeke can have some success running because they're playing softer on there. But because it's Zeke, he ain't giving up. I mean, he's not getting 30, 40 yards a pop, so they're willing for you to get five yards of carry because they think huh, this is the most penalized team in the league at some point. They're going to commit a false start. They're going to hold. It's going to be second and 12, and, and that series is a wrap. Yeah, and that's where this thing is headed to me, man. I have, unless they come out and show it to us, and look, by all accounts, they are able to do that. Perhaps they can, and they can come out and show us something. I do not see that happening. I have a hard time when I look at this because I believe Cincinnati's defense is equal to the Dallas defense. But I believe the Cincinnati offense is light years ahead of what this Dallas Cowboys offense is right now. And I would have said that even if Dak had played. Maybe not light years ahead, but ahead just because of the amount of weapons they have. Even tight end at at Hayden Hurst, who I think had eight targets last week from Burrow. Burrow's not going to come out and have another four-interception game. I think he's going to be willing to... He's probably pissed. I, I think Cincinnati... And I, I don't know. I'm going to tell you something, and I don't know if I've ever done this before in my lifetime. Uh-oh. I never bet on the NFL. I, I do on college football because I'm around it a lot, and, and some, some of those lines you can see, and it's just silly. I put money on Cincinnati to cover over Dallas. Eight and a half, right? Well, I got it at, at seven. Okay. So they just got to win by eight points or more. I don't know that I trust. I think we're going to see very similar to what we saw last week where, okay, the Dallas defense, guess what? You might stop Cincinnati, and then they get to kick a field goal and then maybe another one. At some point, that defense gets worn out, and the next thing you know, those field goals turn into touchdowns, and I just don't believe in this offense's ability to put enough points on the board to to, to hang with an offense that's capable of doing some of the things, some of the things that Cincinnati can do. They lost by three points. They scored 20 points, lost by three points in a game in which Joe Burrow threw four picks. You know, that speaks volumes right there, bro. And, and so to me, I, I mean, I don't know that this is close. And I think Cincinnati is going to win. And I think it's something like, again, a couple of field goals early, followed by touchdowns. Give me Cincinnati 27 to 10. I'll give the Cowboys a touchdown. Wow. Wow. You know, that's not far off from what I picked. I picked Cincinnati 24, Dallas 13. Okay. So, yeah, fairly similar, and, and that means you're basically saying they'll score a touchdown, kick a couple of field goals. Yeah. And and I, and I, 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 sure. I came dangerously close to going 27 to 10 or 24 to uh, to 10. I just don't see them scoring a lot of points. I don't That's either, man. Point. I just I don't, I don't know. Okay, let's just pretend that they, they run it a little bit more. But, I mean, what we saw Sunday night to me was not an aberration, and now you don't have Dak. Now, maybe that's a good thing because Cooper can't possibly play as bad as Dak did last week, right? I hope. Surely? 
Well, you wouldn't think so, but who knows? (laughs) That's the thing. I mean, maybe he is going to play that bad. And if he does play that poorly, this will be even worse. God, what if they don't score a touchdown again? What if they only score three points? Does Jerry just fire the whole? Does he? Is Kellen Moore just done? (laughs) Um, Dude, I'm I'm here to tell you, man. And, um, you know, Kellen, the spotlight's on Kellen Moore, bro. He's got to do something. You know, he got some job interviews last year to be head coaching positions. Uh, which is kind of weird based on how the season ended up. But I think there are a lot of eyes on him right now, man. And it's what you got, dog. Because this is when you show us who you are. It's not when you got weapons at every spot that we say, yeah. oh, yeah, you can coach. I mean, that's good when you can perform. It's when you don't have weapons at every spot and you say, what can you do, bro? That What can you produce? How can you get this offense functional? How can you get some points out of this? How you can make treasure out of this trash that we got right now? That's when you show what you can do as a coach. And he ain't showed it yet. Hopefully he will, but he ain't showed it yet, bro. He hasn't, and it'd be nice if he did on Sunday, but I just don't see it. And, and I hate to be that negative about the Cowboys, but I just don't see it, man. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not, I, don't, I don't know how much I believe in this secondary. Curse isn't going to play. I like Diggs a lot, but even outside of that, I mean, Anthony Brown got burned a couple of times, and, and the, the, the receivers that this Cincinnati offense can throw at you, okay, so let's say Diggs eliminates Chase and he doesn't have a game. You still got to deal with Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. So I don't know, man. And, and Joe Mixon coming out of the backfield, Hayden Hurst, I man, whoa. I don't know what's going on, but I just, I'm not a fan. I, I, I think it's going to get ugly. And Jacques, you, are you back? Oh, you mean like, like the Cowboys had last year where they had three legitimate receivers, and if you slept on one of them, the other two might just bust you behind? Yeah, you know what we're talking about because we have seen this before. Dude, that, I mean, dude, I just, I just shake my head, man, because again, and this was my whole point, and I'm just going to keep saying it because – it's our show. I can say whatever I want to. Do it. Bro, you knew Michael Gallup wasn't going to be available for the first two <laughs> to four games. You knew this in January and February. Yep. You knew. Jacques keeps muting himself. He was on a rant, and he keeps muting himself. You know what's interesting is I haven't touched anything. Yeah, it just keeps muting yourself. Now you're back. Yeah. You're, you're having a great rant, too. Damn okay, it. let me try to replicate this. They knew, <laughs> they knew that he wasn't going to be around for two to four games, dog. They knew this shit, man. Yeah. And they did nothing except take away parts, meaning Amari Cooper. And this is all you need to know. This is all you need to know, people. Dennis Houston, undrafted free agent from that football powerhouse, Western Illinois played the third most snaps at wide receiver for your Dallas Cowboys in their opener. The third most snaps for a wide receiver went to an undrafted free agent from Western fucking Illinois. Get the fuck out of here, man. What have they done, Matt? Nothing. Bro! I Nothing. Just if, if, you know, I just don't know how they did that. I don't know how they set themselves up. They're delusional. And put themselves in this situation. I just... Dude, it's it's shocking to me. Now check this out, Matt. This is real talk now. You know everybody's a Cowboys fan, and everybody knows that I've covered the Cowboys since 1995. I walk into the Jackson State Football Building today. Tim Brewster, tight ends coach, 
what are they going to do? They look like trash on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Pollock, special assistant to head coach Deion Sanders, Swiss Army knife of the staff. He's been a Cowboys fan his whole life. Three points. Three points. That's all we scored. Three friggin' points. Yeah. It's going to be a long season for my boys. I said, dog, I sat in your office last Friday. I tried to tell you what was going to happen. Yeah, you did. I know you did. Well, why are you looking like this today, bro? He couldn't do nothing but smile and start laughing. So even the Jackson State, the coaching staff knows this team is doomed. I would love for them to prove me wrong. I really would. I ain't got no problem with them proving me wrong. But, bro. What they got at receiver, man, in a passing league, they got nobody to stretch the field, so it's just going to get tighter and more compressed. I just don't see how it's going to work, bro. I don't either, which is why I have them getting their ass kicked again on Sunday, and then we'll regroup and see for their first road trip of the season headed to New York. Yeah. I'm sorry, I've used up my cursing allotment for the week. (laughs) It's good to get heated and pissed off about it. I wish the Cowboys would, but... They don't seem to care because they're still the most valuable franchise on the planet. Yeah, man. They just, uh, you know, what? I, I say that because, you know, I tell you all the time, I don't have any emotional investment in Cowboys. You know, I don't I don't curl up in a fetal position when they lose and all that stuff. Uh, I haven't been a fan in a long time. I like guys on the team. It's good for me. It's good for business. It's good for the media when they win. And so I always hope that they do well because everything's just better when they do well. Um, but man, the and I say all this to say I'm just so disappointed in the moves that they made this offseason when they had a 12 and 5 team. They had a good team, a really good team. It faded a little at the end. They got to the playoffs and didn't play well, but they had a core that they could build on. Um, and they just did nothing, man. It's like they just like they sleptwalked through the offseason. They get to the season, and in a way, they act all shocked and surprised that. What they got is what they got. Yep. And that's where the delusion lies. That's what it is. And I'm 100% convinced of it. They are clinically delusional. So enjoy your delusional, fake, crappy season. What do you think Mike McCarthy says when he's on the phone calling his boys? He's got to be like, I mean, he's not, he can't be this dumb. He's got to be sitting there going, I, I mean, I told him I'd like to keep Amari. And Jerry's going to get rid of him for a fifth-round pick, and I just got to act like I'm going with it? He's like, what are we going to do? Tow the company line? I mean, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe Jerry said, look, I'll, here's another $10 million when you quit, and I'll, just, I'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's – I don't know. Because nobody will ever publicly admit anything to you. And you just no. wonder if you could get behind the scenes, what the hell – I just can't believe that anybody who – truly looks at football believed they were going into the season and were not going to struggle offensively with the receiver group, especially when Tyron went down and, and that your line and your receiver group, you're going to have some serious problems. Yeah. I think that's just my problem, man. I just, I can't believe what they did to one of the best receiving groups in the league when they didn't have to, and it was their choice to do it all because they got mad. Okay, yeah, you wish it, you wish Amari Cooper had been vaccinated. All right? Damn, dog, you cost us two games of your services because you weren't. But you don't wreck your whole team or your whole offensive wide receiver position because you're mad at him. 
You wait. Check this out, man. Check this out, bro. You wait until you have his replacement on the roster and you know what that dude can do. And then you say to hell with you. You don't go to hell with you. Okay, let's figure out what we're going to do. Because let's tell the truth, Matt. Who's his replacement? His replacement at one level is CeeDee Lamb. But his replacement on the roster was who? Jalen Tolbert. Because CeeDee Lamb is supposed to be Amari Cooper. Michael Gallup is supposed to be CeeDee Lamb. And then Jalen Tolbert is supposed to be Michael Gallup. Jalen Tolbert ain't even active, bro. Nope. He's not even active. So you got problems, which we saw in week one, and we're going to see again in week two. 0-2 start. Enjoy it, everybody. It's on the way. Wow. You're so negative. I, I've i thought this. <laughs> no, this is true. Watching that game on Sunday night, I had the thought. And, I, and I, again, I'm getting to a point with this franchise where, you know, I was like, man, if I didn't do the podcast and I didn't have the jobs that I have, I wonder there would be times where I might bail out at halftime. And like, like, you know, we, we generally, we watch all the games, but there are times. And if this team were to go like say, Oh, and five, Oh, and eight. Right. I might not watch the ninth game. And I've never done that before, but that's where I'm getting to with this franchise because of the stuff that we're talking about right now, where it's so obvious you were going to have problems. And it's like, you don't seem to care. So why, sh- why do I care so much? Well, you know, man, it's like I like to say through a variety of circumstances, you know, when people ask me about my son, there's a point to this, you know, variety of circumstances, nobody's fault per se. Um, He lost his joy for playing football midway through his senior season because of some things going on with the team. And so while he showed up at practice and did everything he's supposed to do, you could just tell he was just kind of disconnected. Well, that's what the Cowboys fans will feel like, like, the team has is, is stolen my joy from me. And so you become disconnected because the team has stolen your joy. It's no longer fun to watch it because you have such disdain for the process and the people in charge. That's a really good way to describe it. That is kind of where I'm at with this thing. That's what I'm telling you because I <laughs> saw it in his face. And, you know, at that point in the season, you know, I gave him credit for trudging through a difficult time and, you know, still doing all the stuff he's supposed to do. And not having a bad attitude, but you could just tell the joy was gone. And he just, you know, you just going through the motions and you you as best you can, because the joy is gone. And that's what it is for a lot of Cowboys fans. The joy is gone because you're just like there's such a hopeless feeling. Like no matter what I what I hope, what I think right now, the franchise is just this particular season is just you know, in quicksand, it can't get out. Yeah, and you can lose it really, really quickly. And I feel like, you know, the DAC injury, and, and we'll see, maybe I'm colossally wrong here, but if they lose the way I think that they might on Sunday, then, I mean, we're, we're supposed to get stoked if they beat the Giants? Well, here's the thing, man. You're not, you know, we said this on various seasons. This ain't the season to be picking and choosing who you beat that's true as well you know what i'm saying so yeah yeah, you get any win like yeah you need to go celebrate that thing because they are hard to get and you're about to find out just how hard it is to win football games fair enough sounds like we need a little bruise biltong in our life that would cheer us up give us something good to snack on it's funny i was just on the website right now checking it out going to order some more i like the sliced biltong that's my go-to it's in these little sliced little pieces 
it's bruisebiltong.com. And so what biltong is, it's an air-dried, it's a South African air-dried meat. And it is very, very good. If you like beef jerky, it's similar to that. But when you get biltong, it's not as hard. It's easier to chew. It's more savory. I think it has more flavor than beef jerky. And both of us like it because, like, you can get their two-ounce little snack pack, 240 calories and 30 grams of protein. That's really nice. Bro, it's terrific. That's why I rock with it, man. It's all about, for me, it's all about trying to find good quality snacks in the middle of the day. Biltong fits it perfectly. I like you. I rock with the sliced biltong. It's, it, I mean, I'm serious now. It almost melts in your mouth. It's uh, succulent. It's tasty. It's actually even juicy, which is incredible for a dried South African meat. Yeah, and it's fantastic because the Dutch, who originally kind of went through South Africa, it, it, they are the ones that began years ago and created biltong because bill is the Dutch word meaning buttock. And the cut of the meat typically comes from that part of the animal, and tong means strips. So biltong literally means butt strips. Who doesn't like ass? It's exactly. So get a little of it, huh? Eat it. It's delicious. I think you're going to enjoy it. It is Bruise Biltong, and use the promo code JAM15 at checkout. You get 15% off your order at bruisebiltong.com. Also, of course, and I saw you were just over there at, at Freeway Tire Shop the other day because you tweeted out a picture of you and JR hanging out in his office. Do y'all think I'd be making this stuff up? I mean, really, do y'all think I'd be making this stuff up? No, I'd be telling the truth, man. I rock with JR. Um, I had the most incredible thing. I went to go get something to drink. No problem. I came out of uh, QT. My car was on flat. I got the uh, little donut tire put on, headed down to JR the next day, gave me a good deal on a couple tires. And then because I was headed to Jackson, I was like, yo, dude, can you just give it to once over, make sure I'm good? Since I had this freak thing, they did that, took care of it, cost me less than 100 bucks. I was out the door. Um, hey, man, I rock with JR because you can trust him to diagnose the problem that's your car, which is the most important thing. You can trust him to use quality parts to fix said problem. You can trust him to charge you a fair price for said problem and then you can trust him to stand behind the work that he did on said problem that's why i rock with him man and uh he told me he had a couple customers recently who came by strictly because they heard from jam session one of them owned a black mustang that he was doing some work on another one owned another car but he's like hey people are listening people are coming it's all good baby hell yeah man we appreciate that it's i'm telling you and jacques telling you the mechanic you can trust we cannot emphasize this enough your experience i feel like will blow your mind the level of customer service you're going to get at freeway tire shop check them out online you can schedule an appointment request a quote at freewaytireshop.com so we'll take this little trip around the block and i thought this was interesting because man you sent me this article and then i saw it all over the place and apparently, like, people are freaking out because this Matthew McConaughey movie that was supposed to get made about the Dallas Sting, which was a women's under-19 soccer team in the 1980s, for whatever reason, it was supposed to start filming in six weeks, and they have pulled the plug on it. They have canned it over what they are saying disturbing allegations. What? Oh, man, I read that, and I was like the hell does that mean i mean i have my own personal thought but like how did you interpret that well i don't know because here it says the hollywood reporter says product producers in the production company received disturbing allegations surrounding aspects of the true story on which the drama was based so after an investigation they decided 
to pull the plug. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, and I, I don't, I, it seems like I kind of recall the Dallas Sting, but it's from like 1984. And this is a story of the girls soccer team from Dallas that went to China and ended up winning the whole damn thing at like out of the blue. And back then, like nobody, that would never happen. But I wonder what they would have come across in it their so heinous. Yeah. in their research of the actual true story that led them to cancel this. And, and again, you can't say anything because it would be high speculation and nobody knows exactly what it was that they discovered or whatever. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm always, uh, whenever there are men coaches and female athletes involved, I'm always, I always head down that, that road, um, of some kind of sexual impropriety because that seems to be, that's kind of what happens. I thought. Yeah. Like maybe the coach or something, they discovered something, and back in the 1980s, we probably would have just turned a blind eye to it, and now everybody, yeah. you can't at all do that. Or, yeah, or, you know, at some point in the process, some player said, well, y'all going to put this in the movie? And they're like, oh, that happened? Oh, yeah, yeah, that happened. And so I just, so I don't know. And I'm not, you know, I don't know. that I'm just like, it just seemed odd to, to already have a star like McConaughey signed up and then six weeks before production, back out. That lets you know that it was serious, and they're like, man, you know, yeah, we can't ride with this. Yeah, because, I mean, just, and again, just on the surface, like, this is a wild story, man. Like, apparently, and, and I obviously I was five years old when this happened, but apparently the plot of the movie was going to go into the idea that Ronald Reagan was in office, attempted to reestablish political relations with China, which led China to inviting the U.S. women's soccer team to, to attend this big tournament, which led to the United States realizing they did not have a women's soccer team. Thus, they had right. to send a bunch of teenagers. <laughs> I mean, how nuts is that? That seems insane. Bro. But then again, I, I mean, it, it makes sense. I, guess, I, like, I don't know if I would have guessed that the United States did not have a women's soccer team in 1984, because it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. But then you think, you know, the Women's World Cup didn't even... The first ever Women's World Cup was in 1991. Yeah, bro. I mean, it ain't been that long. I mean, it really hasn't. That's why women right now are trying to get equal pay. <laughs> yeah. Because it hasn't been that long since they've been established, let alone taken seriously as athletes. That's very true. And, and so that would have told a little bit of that story, but it is no more. And I also thought it was weird because they were going to film in the New Orleans area, even though it was a team from Dallas. And I don't know what they would have done in the New Orleans area that looks anything like anything in the DFW area. Because they don't look nothing alike. No, not at all, man. Like, not at all. I don't know how many of you have been to New Orleans, but... But maybe it's going to be shot mostly on soccer fields, and those all look alike. Yeah, I suppose it could be that. Soccer fields and locker rooms. The other one that you sent me that really jumped out to me, as you might expect, was... You laughing because all of these were like at 2 in the morning? Yes, man. I did notice that when you sent them. <laughs> I woke up and I was like, man, because, you know, you do that a lot, but it's because you get up and go to the gym really early. And then I saw the time that you sent these, and you sent them at 2.54 a.m. <laughs> I woke up and started reading. I was like, what the hell are you doing awake at 3 in the morning, man? Sometimes I go to bed early. That is really bizarre. So the other one was the Mexican cartel thing where the alleged hitman for the cartel has been extradited to North Dakota after nearly 11 years after he was apprehended in Tijuana. 
His, na- his name is Juan Francisco C.S. Rocha, appeared Friday in Fargo, and they. this is a guy who boasted to authorities that he used to kill up to 30 people a month for the Felix cartel that he worked for when they were in their prime. 30 a people, people a month, man. That's a person a day. That's, I was going to say that's one a day. You think he's a, a sociopath? I mean... Well, you know, I wonder at that level, when you're a hitman at that level, is it just like playing a video game for you where you don't even, there's no emotion attached to it. It's just completely, this is just what I do and it's another day. I mean, whatever, same thing that I did yesterday. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Like, you, you're not looking at them as people. They're just objects, Yeah. you know, targets. Like, targets is probably the better word. Uh, just like, uh, who's the famous hitman uh, from the mob? Uh, the Iceman? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that dude, the Polish guy who could never be a part of the mob, so all the different families used him. Right. He's You're just a target. It's not personal to him. You're just, hey, I was assigned a job. You're the target. Let's get it done. Yeah, and he was a family man. Like, he had a wife and kids and stuff and would, and would you know, do hits for the mob and then go home and eat dinner and everything. Richard Kuklinski is who, the, who is yeah, that that's, guy. Yeah, that's, that's who it is. The yeah. Iceman. That's what I'm talking about. Exactly. Weird. What a badass, in a sense. I mean, that's... For the mob to use you, and that's always weird to me, like cartel and mob and the hitman. I mean, it's such a world that you hope you never have to encounter. Nah, bro. I ain't got nothing to do with them. Especially the cartel, because you read stories about that, and they are on a different level. No, they worse than the mob. I mean, yeah. That is a colossally different level. Very, very odd. And so the other thing I wanted to bring up, and this is breaking news... But I guess you're going to have to start referring to me as the Hall of Famer, Matt McLaren. Oh. Because I received notice on Monday afternoon that I will be inducted into the Texas State University Radio TV Hall of Fame. Look at that. My boy. There he is. Hall of Famer. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. I I had heard like a month ago that I, I was one of the nominees. And I, you know, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Awesome. You know, I I feel like I've had a solid radio career as far as people that have been through that program at Texas State. And what's interesting about mine is I'm pretty much one of the only people who has ever gone to Texas State that has achieved any type of radio success. But a lot of people, what happens is they all get into TV. And I'm like the only person who pursued radio and does radio and for whatever reason. But I mean, there's a couple of people who do it at lower levels and whatnot that are up and coming. And I found out it's one of those guys that had nominated me named Andrew. And, and he nominated me and had reached out and was like, hey, man, I want to nominate you. And I was like, wow, that's, I appreciate that very much. And then from there, you don't know what happens until they contact you and they're like, hey, you know, the, the we, this guy has been the advisor there now for like 25 years. It was like, you, uh, you're... You were nominated and we've the, you know, these, there's like a panel or whatever that votes and you got voted in and you will be inducted. So fantastic, bro. I got two questions. You get a jacket or you get a ring? I don't know. I was wondering that too. I was like, I wonder if I get like a, like, do I get like a Texas state jacket? I just walk around and I think what they do is they give you like this gold microphone plaque thing. That's pretty cool. They make a big deal out of it. It's so I'm flying to Austin and then the fiance and I will be driving down to San Marcos. And we'll be spending a Friday, Saturday, coming back on a Sunday. The only bad part of it is, is that it's the same day, the induction ceremony, it's a luncheon and a ceremony, this whole thing is on October 8th. 
which is the same day as Texas OU and the same day as Alabama A&M. Well, damn. Yeah. Just mention me in your speech. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's really interesting, man. Like, so they put you up at a hotel, and I'm doing my show from campus on that Friday. And that's I'll, fantastic, man. This, yeah. is, this is fantastic. Yeah, I was pretty stoked. I'll be participating in some panels, like alumni panels and stuff, of people who are in the media and whatnot. Because there's been, like I said, I mean, there's been some, like Gloria Campos went to Southwest Texas State. That's my homie. Yeah, the old Channel 8 news anchor. She was a bobcat. And then one of the other guys who's getting inducted along with me, I went to college with him. He was there when I was there. And he is a reporter. He had been a reporter for Channel 8. He's now a reporter for NBC5 in Dallas named Dave Goins. And he's a really good dude. And then somebody else who's being inducted was like in the class of 87. And he is a sports anchor in San Antonio on television. And then the, the other inductee is a girl who is the executive producer of the morning show on NPR, on radio. Well, that sounds like a big-time job. Yeah, it sounds like a big-time job, but I was like, it's, it's really interesting. I'm the only person, even because they only do this every four years. This is not an annual thing. They do a Hall of Fame class oh, every four shoot. years. And the last class, nobody in that class was a radio. Well, no, Chris Summer. I forgot. Chris Summer was in that class, and he's been in radio in Dallas I think he does, I'm trying to remember, I think he's on KRLD doing news in the morning now. Right. But I just think it's interesting, like all these people that come through the, basically the media department there, and in like 90% of them are TV people, and then there's me and maybe a couple other dudes who do radio professionally. Nah, man, that's fantastic. But, you know, I saw the talent there all along, man. We had one meeting, and I was like, there he no, is. <laughs> this guy's going to help make me a star. You're like, thank God it's not the other guy. <laughs> I was going to leave that alone, bro. <laughs> yeah, man, it's pretty awesome. I mean, I'm excited about it and getting down there and just being around campus again and, and being able to talk to the young students and the whole ceremony and stuff. So it's kind of cool. I was, I don't know, it, it kind of, I thought, I don't feel like I'm that old, but I've been doing this for over 20 years now and to be recognized for it at that level and it, it means something to you, I guess, you know. Nah, man, that's fantastic. I'm happy for you and proud of you. I appreciate that. And you know what? We may go to a Texas State Bobcats game because they are playing that night and they are hosting Appalachian State. You should throw the pile up there, dog. I know, and I thought about it. I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll go and, and got to be badass that they gave you like a jacket or something and you walk around and people are like, oh, what's that? They're like, oh, I'm a Hall of Famer. Bro. I'd been joking with people. I was like, now you have to introduce me like how, how Joe Buck introduces Troy Aikman alongside the Hall of Famer, and people be like, Hall of Fame for what? I'd be like, hey, man, I'm in a Hall of Fame somewhere. Hate to tell you. Clearly, the show's open is going to change. <laughs> yeah, it's going to have to. Have to, man. It's going to absolutely have to. So October 8th, I will be doing that. That'll be a weird weekend, too, because the Cowboys play the Rams that Sunday afternoon, and I'll probably be in the air during half that game. So we'll have to record late that night, and I'll have to get back and try to zip through the game. But... I was like, I'm not missing this. I mean. No, you don't need to miss that, man. I'm going to, and I told my, my boss here, I was like, look, here's what's going on. And he's like, oh, my God, that's awesome. I was like, is it cool if I do my show from there on Friday? He's like, yeah, of course. I was like, sweet. So good. Good times, man. Appreciate that. And I, I'll just Fantastic. say thank you to everyone. Tip of the hat. And uh, just refer to me as the Hall of Famer, if you would, if you don't mind. Well, not yet, not yet, because I'm not in. breaking news all over the place. I know, man. I got all these breaking news bits that I needed to tell everybody. So as we continue here on 
the pod. Let's tell you about our good friends over there at HFX Foundation Solutions. I know a lot of you guys have reached out and we told you the story of one of our listeners the last time who had called him and fortunately for him, he didn't have any problems and and Aaron gave him a clean bill of health and all that. But after the summer that Texas and the DFW area has gone through, you really need to start paying attention to the cracks, the sticking doors, things like that. If you start to notice those things in your home, just give them a call. It's a free, no obligation inspection. It's local, it's family owned, and they service the entire DFW area. And like you like to say, it's one of those things like an annual checkup that you would have that you want to make sure your house is okay. No, man, it's, you know, for me, it's like a lot of things. And the reason why we lovingly call it a colonoscopy for your house is because it's like going to the doctor and getting a colonoscopy. It just gives you peace of mind. It means you ain't got to worry about it. It's like, good, my house is great. My house is straight. I don't have to worry about these cracks, these crack, these stuck windows, these stuck doors. I don't have to worry about any of that. My house is good because we all know the Texas soil sucks. S-U-X sucks. We also know that all that rain we got a little while ago, man, your house could have shifted anything. Just go call Aaron and his team, 817-770-0174. Y'all heard the number. Dial the man up. Get that peace of mind that comes with having that colonoscopy for your crib. That's exactly right. 817-770-0174. Online at hfxfoundation.com. Also, of course, Smokey John's Barbecue. I hope that you guys have been able to get over there and try the Jam Session Bowl. If not, maybe this weekend is the perfect chance for you. Get over there. It's local. They've been there for 46 years. Now, of course, it's Juan and Brent, the brothers that own it. And the Jam Session Bowl, man, I mean, they listen to the podcast. When you walk in there, it's like you're hanging out with good friends. Like, all you got to do is be like, hey, Jam Session Bowl, I'm a big listener. And, you know, Brent will probably, or maybe Juan, one of them might be like, oh, yeah. And Juan will walk you over and be like, oh, my God, Matt said this and this. And you guys will be joking about it while you're munching down on that Jam Session Bowl. And then you'll be like, holy crap, they weren't kidding around. This is really, really good. No, man, it's fantastic. Food is great. Uh, Whether you get in the Jam Session Bowl um, or, you know, whether you get in the ribs, I actually had a rib sandwich the other day. It was fantastic. Uh, you know, anything, they don't have anything that ain't delicious. It's, it's really bizarre. Everything is great, man. They don't have a specialty. It's all good. And, you know, just so you know, if you're not in Texas, you can go to the website, go to the marketplace, click on the rub or the sauce, which Matt likes to drink straight yeah. from the bottle. No lie, no cap. It's true. And uh, it'll be at your house in a couple of days or... I think by the end of this month, you can get it on the shelves at H-E-B in Frisco. Nice. I mean, get that, bro. It's on the shelves, baby. I like that, man. And I do. I mean, I told you last time, I wasn't kidding. We ordered some barbecue here in the Birmingham area, and I didn't even use their sauce. I went right, cracked open my bottle of Smokey John sauce, and used that. It's so good, man. Their sauce... I don't know what it is, but that sauce is so freaking good. It's the best barbecue sauce I think I've ever had. And I like I use a ton of it, too, because it's God, it's good. (laughs) Anyway, just go get it because it's fantastic. Okay, hell yeah. There it is. Smokey John's. Check them out. So college football entering week three. And it's kind of interesting because you were bringing this up earlier. Texas impressive game for the most part against Alabama. And now comes the part of Texas where, cool, you did that. Now go beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Like, you can't just hang your hat on the fact like, hey, we played the number one team to one point. Awesome. You've got to beat the UTSAs and the Texas Techs and the West Virginias and the Kansases 
for any of that part of the Alabama game to even matter. And it was interesting because Sark had some media availability today. And man, he went off a little bit because he was getting pressed about the quarterback situation. Quinn Ewers, we know, is out. Well, Hudson Card has a sprained ankle, and he won't update anybody on whether or not Hudson Card could play, what the deal is. Is it going to be Charles Wright, who's a redshirt freshman who has never thrown a pass in college? What's going on with him and B. John Robinson? And Sark just gets all salty about it. And, and you that rubbed you the wrong way. And I thought it was interesting as well because Texas, to me, is just they're not there yet, and they're trying to act like they are again. You know, now I'm a journalist, okay? So I'm all about the information, man. But you're at a big-time program, even though you ain't played worth a shit in a decade. You're at a big-time program, University of Texas football. You're also not just speaking to the media. You're speaking to your fans. We also know that you don't want your opponent, UT San Antonio, to know exactly what you're doing. But the media's job, their job, my friend, is to ask questions about the quarterback situation when it's especially when it's as tenuous as yours is. That's the only thing people care about. Who's playing quarterback? Because if we don't have a quarterback, we might not beat UT San Antonio and all the good work we did against Alabama is going to be undone. The questions are legitimate. Multiple questions are legitimate. You ain't one shit, Sark. Answer the questions. Give non-answers. Jason Garrett used to do it all the time. Give non-answers, keep giving non-answers until the questions are exhausted. Okay, but you don't have to be a douche about it. And that's my whole point. Especially because you ain't done nothing yet. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, and this Saturday is going to be very interesting for Texas because UTSA is a good football team. They've got a sixth-year senior at quarterback. They've got an offense. He's, he's a dual-threat guy. They've got an offense that can score some points. Their head coach was on Tom Herman's staff. Jeff Trailer was at Texas for a couple of years. This is one of those games where Texas is going to need to not overlook. And, and the emotional loss, everything that you went through in a physical battle with Alabama, you can't then turn around and let UTSA upset you because that could destroy everything that you're trying to work towards. They need to thump this team. Now, the Texas defense is healthy. And I don't know, the UTSA offensive line has been shaky in a couple of games so far this year. I don't know that they'll be able to do much against the Texas defense. But you wonder if Bijan can't play, if they have to start a kid in Charles Wright, who is a three-star recruit who's not ever supposed to see the field, how this thing might get a little interesting. Yeah, uh, UT San Antonio is a really good program. Um, they're, and, you know, they're not, they're going to come in and thank, that we have a chance to win if they give us anything less than their best game. And, you know, injuries can, can ease a game. And here's the other thing, man. This is college football, bro. Them boys been getting love on 6th Street all week long. Mm -hmm. They've been getting love on campus. Hey, man, y'all did it. We should have beat them for a quarterback. Ah! They've been getting love all week long, man. You don't know if they're focused this week in practice, if they're practicing with the same intensity. And it's hard to hard for us to believe that they would be because why? One, you're getting ready for 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 Alabama, the best team in the country. Now you're getting ready for a team that's just part of the UT educational system, bro. So um, this, I'm telling you, this got danger zone written all over it. And if them boys don't come to play, as my friend likes to say, it's gonna be some slow walking and some sad singing at the end of that ball game.
That's very, very true. They, they need to keep an eye out for that. The other one that I'll have my eye on is Saturday evening, Texas A&M, who dropped from number six to number 24 with the loss to App State last week. They're hosting number 13 Miami. And it's weird because this is one of those games where Miami is higher ranked by more than 10 spots, but A&M is favored in the game by five and a half. This is a game that I feel like A&M absolutely 100%, and I don't care what they, they – if they have to trick play their ass every game or every play, A&M has to win this game because if they lose this game to Miami and you start one and two before you even begin SEC play, that is a nightmare scenario because A&M after this, they play Texas A&M – or excuse me, they play Arkansas next week. Then they play Mississippi State on the road. Then they play Alabama. This could turn very quickly from a season in which they had a lot of hope to a, I mean, a disaster nightmare season for Jimbo Fisher. Uh, no joke, man, because those those next three games are all games you could lose. Without, I mean, you know, to the point where you could play well and lose because Arkansas is good. Mississippi State is what they're going to be under um, Leach, which is ain't nobody ever look forward to playing the Leach team because they, they can just create problems for you. And then Alabama's Alabama. So, you know, couldn't happen to a better team. You know, y'all know how I feel about the Aggies. Man, it, it's, it's really, it really interesting. Hell, though. I'd, I'd be laughing my ass off. Well, and if that happens, then you wonder, with all the youth they have on this team, if they start one and two, how that maturity, how they handle some of those games coming up. Because you could make a case if they lose to Miami, because I thought they'd lose to Arkansas before the season even began. Like, I thought they'd be undefeated when they met Arkansas. If they're one and two and play Arkansas and then go to one and three, let's say they beat Mississippi State, you're going to lose. You could be two and four halfway through the season and you've still got to play Ole Miss. You've still got a tough road game against South Carolina. You still got Florida. You got to go on the road to Auburn. I mean, this could be a nightmare of a season for AM. They better get this one. And I don't know, you know, I don't know a whole lot about the U. I mean, I know what the U is, but I don't know how good they are. Well, they've, they've uh, got a quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke, who is projected as a first-round NFL pick, and he has been lighting it up. He will by far be the best quarterback in College Station on Saturday. Cristobal has read on their offensive line, and they're playing like with a, like a little bit more of that old U swagger. Their right. defense is not as good as A&M's defense, but that doesn't matter because their offense is better than A&M's offense, at least what we've seen so far. This is a really interesting game. They, yeah. A&M has to win it. They have to. Right. The problem, and the problem with A&M is we have no idea about their offense. And the thing I was saying about the U is it's, it's so early in the season, we still don't know who's real and who's fake. That's true, man. And all we've seen from A&M and really the first half against Sam Houston, they struggled all the game against App State. And it's almost to me like App State laid the blueprint down. Like just control the clock and A&M's offense is not capable of doing anything. Unless Jimbo is going to try something totally new, maybe they won't play Haynes King. Maybe it'll be Max Johnson and they'll switch it up and see what they got. But man, this is, I, I have no idea what to expect after what we've seen from A&M so far. None. And it doesn't bother me, but if you're an Aggie fan, man, you got to be horrified. So I, w- I would be very, very cautious about that. Other than that, this is one of those weird weekends. I mean, there's a couple of good games like Baylor, or excuse me, not Baylor, BYU who beat Baylor last week. BYU and Oregon might end up being a good one that has a little bit of weight on it. But there's not a lot because we haven't gotten into conference play for the most part yet. 
So you're still getting a lot of those kind of feel each other out type games where you don't get a ton of the ranked on rank matchups that make for the fun ones. So we'll see how it goes, but there's always something that happens in college football where you're like, oh, didn't see that coming. Like, oh, you in Nebraska, you know, 20 years ago, you're like, oh, holy shit. Oh, you in Nebraska, that'll be fun. Nebraska's right. trash. Nebraska's horrible. They're not going to do anything. Penn State, Auburn, that should be a good game. That's the 230 game on CBS. Looking forward to watching that one. Outside of that, I mean, other than the games that we already mentioned, there's really, that's it, man. Fresno State, USC might be interesting because USC's offense has been legit so far and has been dominant, but their defense has been kind of leaky and Fresno State's capable of putting up a lot of points. So I think we're going to find out a little bit more about that USC defense against an offense like Fresno State. So, but it's just one of those weeks, man. There's only a couple of games of ranked on ranked and, and a lot of the times that's kind of what moves the needle for the most part. No, it's all right. That's okay. It's still early. I, I try to enjoy it as it comes. Let's check in once again. You know him well. has been on the Cowboys beat for many years. From the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, Cowboys reporter Clarence Hill Jr. joining us. And chill. Interesting first week. I mean, we had you on prior to the season. You kind of alluded to this. All your tweets, anybody who follows you on Twitter, when you were out at training camp, I mean, it led to the idea this Cowboys offense was going to struggle a lot. Were you surprised at how inept it was, even with the struggles that you knew were going to happen on Sunday night? Yeah, I don't think anybody saw it being that bad. But, you know, like I, I just keep it real. People say I hate. I mean, I, I've been everybody. No one told you about the struggles of the offensive training camp like Clarence Hill. Okay? They, it did not. There were not a lot of touchdowns being scored at the training camp. You know, even going back to last year, CeeDee Lamb was not great in training camp. He was all right. You know, last year he was great. You know, but there was nobody jumping off the page on offense for you in training camp. And the, and the best thing about training camp was that Zeke looked healthy on that offense. But there was nothing that said, ooh, you know, this 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 is training camp. This offense is going to be anything close to what it was last year when they led the league in points and led the league in yards. You know, uh, they, they didn't replace Amari Cooper. They certainly got worse on the offensive line, and it showed up big time uh, in the game. So, I don't think anybody saw just three points, but the struggles of the offense, yeah, that, that did not blindside me because they weren't they weren't good throughout training camp on the preseason. Now, my friend, how this shit supposed to get better with Cooper Rush at quarterback? Oh, it's all about hope and prayer. It's all about, you know, projection and positive projection. It's like everything they've done, you know, is, is about positive projection and best thing on the best case scenarios and, you know, from their decision making. And I, I, I don't know, you know, and, 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 you can say, well, Cooper won last year. He won last year with with with, with Ceedee Lamb and, and Amari Cooper, you know, on that offense with Cedric Wilson on that offense, and 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 you know them having all their guys. He didn't win, you know, with 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 with, with Cooper and a bunch of maybes, you know. And you're asking him, you know, some you know, like it's like you, this is the this is worse than you know you know playing spades, you know, and and you you book it on the punt, you know, you 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 go on a blind team. <laughs> you ain't got I don't know if it's Jack you know but you definitely ain't got no king you know it's like you, you're trying to win with tens and jacks I mean Nick even said it best you know for Cowboys.com is they got a bunch of number five receivers not even number four that's his word not mine he called him number five well I mean the reality is and me and Matt have talked about it and the drafted free agent from that football power Western Illinois had the third most snaps at wide receiver and again and 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 when I was at camp, I was like, 
the best thing Dennis Houston does is he knows the offense and he can, he's where he's supposed to be, and that's why he has to trust the quarterback. But he wasn't running into the end zone making plays. Nice kid, great story. But this is National Football League. You need playmakers. You know, especially, you know, an offense that lost so many playmakers and the idea that now they're going to lean on Zeke in the running game because he had 10 carries for 52 yards. I mean, that, that, that's okay. But the reason he only had 10 carries is because they couldn't sustain drive. They couldn't convert third down. And they kept putting themselves behind the chains with penalties. You know, the defense had no penalties in, in, in the season open. Offense had 10. And probably five or six of them were false starts. How do you always false starting at home? I got to sit on the road when the crowd, but you at home? Yeah, it's nerves, man, because you're not good enough. Yeah, and I mean, the wild thing is, Chill, because you brought it up and we heard them talk about this, those projections, those magic projections that apparently they have that everyone else who follows football and watches it for a living and reports on it and digs into it has different projections. But the Cowboys, I mean, how how could they not, like, what would worst case be? Well, how do they never consider that? Well, worst case is CD's not ready to be a number one wide receiver and these guys play like undrafted free agents, then we're screwed. And they never seem to consider that. Right. I mean, it, it, it's just, again, we you know, we like our guys stuff. And, you know, and it's not because they don't have the money. I mean, I, I just don't get it. You know, but you're, you know, you're, you're setting your team up to play. Everybody's saying you're setting back and, and McCarthy, you're setting your fan base, you're setting everybody up for failure. When you don't do everything you can to improve this team, and 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 improving is is not hoping for the best. Nah, so that leads us to this. Uh, how do you see this game going this week? <laughs> Why are you laughing, man? I, I got, I got, I got, I got Cincinnati winning twenty four to ten, and maybe worse than that. All right, well, that's we all what, got the same yeah. basic score. I, I had 24-13. Matt had, what, 27-10? Yeah, 27-10 Cincinnati. I mean, I don't yeah, know why I mean, that would surprise anybody. Uh, again, like what we saw offensively, I'm being nice and giving them a touchdown this week, but why would this offense that we just saw against another quality defense be somehow better with a worse quarterback? Again, there you go. I mean, they were not good with Dak Prescott. I don't know how to and you can say what Tampa Bay's defense is, is, is better than, than than Cincinnati's, but you know Cincinnati's defense is pretty good. Yeah. And and you look at that game last week, and Pittsburgh had five turnovers. Okay, not Pittsburgh. Cincinnati had five turnovers. You know, seventeen of Pittsburgh's points came on turnovers. But outside of that, I mean, Pittsburgh, I mean, only had two hundred sixty-seven yards of offense in, in five quarters. You know, they didn't run up and down the field against that Bengals defense. And you just know that Joe Burrow's not giving the ball up five times against the Cowboys. The Cowboys defense is good. They might get to him, but, you know, you can't expect four interceptions and, 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 a, and a fumble and a pick six every week. So let's talk. I wanted to ask you about this, Jill, because I know you were there and talked to them. This whole thing with Micah Parsons seemed to have gotten really blown up where he was supposed to go on undisputed didn't let them know he wasn't going to come on, something like that. What was that situation? Because he just seemed to be like, well, you know, I, I didn't call them. What do you want me to do? You know, the thing about it is we always felt that it was not a good idea for him to go on that show. An active player in the middle of the season, we know what these shows are. They make their ratings on kicking the Cowboys' butt, making fun of the Cowboys, lampooning the Cowboys, whatever. Good, bad, and ugly. They're going to talk about the Cowboys, and the Cowboys lose. You know, that, that's where they get their ratings. And it made no sense to do that show. But he signed a deal to do the show every Tuesday. 
They put equipment in his house to do the show. And we talked about it. Mike McCarthy knew about it. We talked about it before the season. Then on Monday, they can't reach him. And on Tuesday, you know, he doesn't show up. And, you know, he says that, I, you know, says the right thing as far as the Cowboy fans and everybody else is concerned. You know, my team lost. My quarterback got hurt. It wasn't a good look. It wouldn't be appropriate for me to be on TV. I need to be in my locker room and be in the league. Somebody should have communicated that to Fox, FS1, to that show. You're saying the right thing. Yeah, you shouldn't have been on, shouldn't have been on the show in any way, but it, it's good to make the decision. Why, why did nobody communicate that? And then you're on social media complaining about your Madden race. <laughs> yeah, that, that was – I've never got that, man. I mean, you can go in and adjust the rating if you want to. I do that with all the Cowboys players. It don't yeah. miss a sign of disrespect, man. It's like if they gave us – Poor ratings for awareness. Me and Clarence, as journalists, as beat writers back in the day, they gave us poor ratings on awareness. We'd be on Madden talking about, how are you going to have us with poor ratings, man? Look at our performance. All, all of that. But I mean, the bottom line, is, it, it's just a bad look. And Michael's young, and, and again, he's emotional, and, you know, he gets, you know, it, it just wouldn't have been, I mean, I don't know if he's going to go on the show or whatever else. I know he was, clearly, I'm sure they paid him. I don't know what the deal is and all that other stuff. But, but uh, you know, it, it, it was going to be a bad look anyway. So, you know, that, that just the emotions after the game, as well as the Cowboys lose, how they going to go back and forth on the Cowboys, you know. But from a professional standpoint, y- y'all got to let somebody know. Somebody on your team got to let somebody know you're not coming. You know, and so that just gives them more ammunition to talk about you. So, yeah, we I asked somebody, he addressed it, and again, said the right things. I'm a leader. I can't, don't need to go on that show. I need to be, be in leadership in the locker room. Yes, you need to be doing all of that. And you, you know, and you had two sacks. You, you did those things, you know, on Sunday. You, you know, you don't have any reason to hang your head. But yeah, you, you did your thing, and you, and you, and, and you still be a leader. And but somebody should let somebody know. Hey, I, this is a while back, but have we figured out why Dak sucked so bad? <laughs> is it a while back? Like just, just last week? Well, it, it seemed like it was like six years ago, but I realized it was last week. But have we, have we gotten I, to I the bottom of why he I, was, I, was so bad? I think that there's – I think a part of it is, is not playing the preseason. I think it's one thing not playing the preseason when you got veterans and you got some kind of uh, chemistry and uniformity and offensive line, but when you've got three new stars, you got all these new receivers to not get any snaps in the preseason, I think I think that's part of it. You know? But, again, I think it's also part of it is the players around him weren't good. You know, and again, he was not good. He didn't have a good game. Let's be honest. He didn't have a good game either. You know, it, it all goes together. But, you know, if a team, an offense needs to play in the preseason, it was the Cowboys offense because you had all these new starters and all these new guys coming in. They, they, they you know, you, there's no chemistry. You can say what you want about getting in practice, and, but the intensity of practice, even during practice, not the same as in the game. Is that – I was going to ask, the injury to him, I mean, is it legit that the, he's going to be able, from what you've heard, what you know, that he'll be able to come back? And, and it sounds like he might be able to come back for the Rams game, which is in three weeks. You, you, you buying that snake oil, huh? You, you, you buying that snake oil too, huh? <laughs> I ain't bought it. I left that shit on the shelf. I should have stopped. I need to stop after everything I've already seen. You buying that snake oil. And that's just it. I mean, everything they do is – you don't know if it's is it's, it's fact based or it's hope based or, or or it's salesmanship based or whatever else. I mean, all the talk about Michael Gallup. We we knew Stephen Jones told us in March Michael Gallup was gonna miss the first two games of the season. Yeah. 
Okay, why is this just a weekly old kid? You know, no, he's not playing. Pavlis didn't play the first four games. Pavlis just put him on IR. But, you know, whatever. You know, and now, even with all these other guys, everybody looks better. You know, you know, we're not going to put anybody on IR. You're, you're holding your roster. You're, you're keeping people off your roster. It's like not putting Dak on IR. Dak is going to broken bones take four weeks to heal. Portis wish to heal for a broken bone. That's that's been since the beginning. You no athlete, no you know. You it takes four to six weeks to heal. Now you have to heal and and grip the ball and all that other stuff. That just seems very aggressive because Jerry does not want to uh want to keep fans you know hoping for the season to keep people coming to the turn. I keep people excited about the season, but four weeks is very aggressive. I mean. Do they I mean, it? and you're talking about three weeks. I'm talking about four weeks. Yeah, I mean, this is three games. Either one of those, I thought, was insane. Especially like all these other people, like, oh yeah, this injury happens all the time, and it's six to eight weeks. So I don't know what the deal is. Yeah, so right. if it is six to eight weeks, and and it's the way that everybody else seems to think it is, other than Jerry, do they win a game while Dak is out? If they don't beat the Giants or the Redskins or, or, or the Commanders, and, and and those are the games that you have to win. You know, just just right off the bat, but but you know that that's where where it gets tough. You got the Giants and the Commanders. They 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 got to you know certainly if not beat the Giants on the road, beat the Commanders at home. And even because if- then you're going at then you're at Philly, and 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 and, yeah. and you know once you start losing, you know, and the confidence and all the momentum, all this stuff gets beat, and then it just snowball. And even if that oh, were yeah. to happen, you're still looking at two and six by the time Dak came back. I mean, I, I, I think you need to have at least three wins before Dak comes back to even have any hope of salvaging the season. Bro. Because the, the back half of the season is, 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 is not tough. But, you know, you still have to win the game. You still have to put some stuff together and, 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 and show that you can win some games. And, and you know, and, and then you still, you know, have to run through them pretty clean. But you, you need three or four wins before Dak comes back to have a chance. Yeah, and then you figure they're going to get that? I mean, they got the Lions and the Bears. Why are you, you laughing, know? I mean, man? I don't know. I mean, again, how are they going to look? How do they look right now? I mean, the Cowboys are the only team in the league that just scored a touchdown last week. Yeah, I mean, it's it's dire. I mean, I, I thought when he went down and they were originally saying eight weeks, I thought, okay, so he, he comes back during the bye week and gets ready and he's ready to roll for Green Bay. And then, like you're talking about, can you beat the Giants and the Commanders, and can you beat the Bears and the Lions? And, and maybe if you can do that, you can roll out there and you're okay. But I just, I mean, the way the offense looked the other night, that you can't beat anybody with that offense. No. I mean, it was horrible. <laughs> it was bad. I mean, that's – and Cooper Rush is supposed to be able to fix this. I don't know. Maybe when Gallup comes back, that helps a little bit. But I don't know what's going to change from what we saw Sunday night until – Something on the roster changes with a healthy gallop, at least. This is going to get ugly, isn't it? This is going to be bad. Yeah. One in 15, or I'm sorry, one in 16. Yeah. One in 16, number one overall pick in the draft, Bryce Young coming to the Cowboys. All right, Joe, we appreciate it, man. All right, guys. All right, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Man, I tell you, that was... I mean, but, you know, again, and Chill had been one of the guys, and he gets ripped on this a lot on Twitter, and I've never understood it, that he's a hater, and he, you know, and he just is out there telling you what he observes. And he was the one guy that was out there at camp being like, I mean, here's what's happening. I mean, these are, this is the real thing that we're watching. And you kind of got that picture. And he came on, remember when he came on before the season, 
And we were all like, man, that bad? He goes, I mean, based on what I've seen. And then sure enough, Sunday night rolls out, and there it is. Bro, it ain't complicated, dog. I'm, I'm for real. If you if you really go, when I was going to training camp all those years, you, it's not that you can predict the record, but you can see what's up. You can see who's playing good. You can see who's playing poorly. You can see what unit is really getting down. And, you know, you have a really good feel when you're there every day and you're talking to coaches every day and you're talking to, you know, Will McClay and those guys every day. You can you have a good feel for how it should go down. You can always be surprised, but you have a good feel for how it should go down. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we aren't surprised, you know, um, at, how, at how it goes down because you're out there every day. And, you know, I tell people all the time, it's your job to know. It's not like you're not a fan. It's your job, J-O-B. You get paid, in a lot of cases, six digits to know these things and understand the team and how it works and why it works. And so these guys are experts at what they do, just like you're an expert at your job. So they're not just guessing and hating. They're telling you the truth about the reality of the situation 99.9% of the time. And the reality is not pretty. And let's hope we are wrong. And come Sunday afternoon, we jump on in the evening to do the podcast. Like, wow, okay, something that was, I'm blown away. Yeah. I'll give it a 2% chance that that happens. <laughs> it's better than one. I was going to say 1% chance. I'm giving a 2% chance that we are blown away and stunned. And whiz kid Kellen Moore has drawn up something in Cooper Rush and it just works. Hell yeah. We'll see. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Have a good Friday and Saturday. We will be back Sunday evening. We will drop the podcast for you. Our thoughts on Cowboys Bengals coming your way on Monday. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. Also brought to you by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Let him help you secure your family's future. You can give him a call at 940-453-3490. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.